Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. So friend to friend here, I'm just going to tell you, your credit score, it has power. And that three digit number has a dramatic impact on your financial future in more ways than you think. Millennial Money with Shauna Compton Game. It will expand your brain. There's no easy way for me to put this except to say you're the CEO of the business of you and you create your own financial brand. But the good news is you're in total control. You can change your brand if you don't like what it looks like. And one of the best places to start is with your credit score that is so overlooked. Look, if you do nothing else for this year, I want you to grab your credit score by the tail and yank it up to 700 plus. Preferably over 740, but you don't have to get all crazy trying for an 850 score. But I don't want you to get lazy either. Even if you have a good score, it can drop tomorrow. It can drop in a second by just one silly little mishap. So on today's podcast, I'm talking with my bud and all-around amazing badass woman, Marsha Barnes, the brains behind the finance bar. She's passionate about financial literacy and was named the official brand ambassador for FICO, the people that put out the credit scores. So I compiled 
all of my credit score questions and all of yours and went straight to Marsha for some actionable tips to help us both get our credit score in check this year. So Marsha, I am so excited to have you on the podcast. We have been friends now for, gosh, over a year, and it's just always such a great time to have a conversation with you. Oh, it's always a good time to, to be with you. It's kind of like girlfriends just having a chat on the phone, talking about something that's really important to all of us, which is money and finances. So I'm glad to be here. Awesome. Well, I wanted to start out, you know, I often describe credit score as kind of that crazy relative you have that you see the holidays, but maybe you want nothing to do with the rest of the year. We all we all have mm-hmm. one of those relatives. And we don't we don't think about our credit score until we actually need to use it. What is the power of your credit score? Why does this matter so much? Well, I think the the number one thing that many people may not admit is that money or having a, a good credit score gives you a level of some sort of financial confidence. And what I mean by that is I think that you have a different pep in yourself when your money's in order. And I think the same uh, with your credit score, because while many of us may not uh, think that we need more credit or we're out searching for a home and we need a mortgage or a car loan or we don't want any more credit cards. I think the important thing to remember is that if you were in that position, because we never know what will happen with our lives, when we want something that we need to get credit for, we want to be able to go get it. So I think that credit uh, essentially gives us a level of financial confidence where otherwise we wouldn't even have it. So I think, number one, that's a a big reason of how it gives you power. Um, I think it also gives you the power of having lower interest rates. So not throwing money away at something by not having a good credit score, having a decent credit score gives you those lower interest rates, which of course saves you money each month or even over time. And when you think about something like your jobs or employers that you would love to work for, it's important also because you may not believe it, but 50% of employers now, while they may not be checking your credit history, they are somehow checking your financial reputation. It has happened to me. So I know for a fact that it happens. And also, even as an entrepreneur, brands that I've worked with, they've checked my financial reputation. And then I also think it makes the approval process easier. So let's just say you are someone that we're at the holidays and you're like, you know what? I know that I can go pay something off within 30 days if I was to get a you know a credit card right now or a loan and I want to go have a good time and shop for the holidays. It makes your approval process so much easier. I've been there as well. So I I really believe it's really easy to say, you know, credit doesn't matter. Credit is just only saying that you're in debt and all of these little things that we convince ourselves that it is to make us feel better. (laughs) But it gives us a level of financial confidence that otherwise you may not have. So a credit score is something that you have the power of controlling. And I think that each of us should be responsible for making sure that we just keep our financial reputation in order. There are so many good gems in there. First off, I tell people all the time that employers can check your credit worthiness and people's jaws drop in that sudden moment of panic and fear of, oh my gosh, what are they going to find out about me? And although Mm -hmm. they can't come to you directly and say, hey, Marsha, I know your credit score is X, Y, Z, it it's they're they're making some determination of what you might be like as an employee, right? Yeah, absolutely. They're making a determination as an employee, meaning that it doesn't does your 
credit score or how you've handled money, should it have a bearing on if they hire you or not? Well, that depends. If you're working in, you know, an area that has a lot of data sensitive information or you're working in a financial industry, then you somehow are questioned about how would you handle situations when money may not be um, the best place to be around for you based on what position you are in financially. So it, it doesn't seem that it's fair, but I think there are certain things and rules of thumbs that employers have a right to view if they are seeking you to be a credible employee, which is why we should never just look at our credit scores being just something that matters to us personally, because that's not always true. Many employers have a right to go check your information and make a determining factor on if you're paying your student loans back on time, you know, then are you someone that you overdraw your account every month? So certain little key factors and not to say that it is the only factor in getting a job, but for sure, they have the ability to check it, to identify how you are handling your money and definitely what your score looks like if you're working in the financial industry at all. And I heard you describe in one of your videos your credit score as your financial brand, which I thought was really a great way. I often tell people, you're the CEO of your finances. So mm -hmm. whether you can think about it that way or not, in essence, that's what you are. You are in charge of the decisions over your money, where it goes, how you spend it, what goals you're going to achieve. And I think that if we could just make that mental shift in our brains, maybe we could feel more empowered over our, our finances. Yeah, certainly. Because if you think about it, the only thing that you can't control is something in the measure of taxes, right? Because we're told how much taxes we're going to pay each year and we can somehow control that as well. But for the most part, those are things that we can't control. But when it comes to your money and the things that you purchase and the things that you have to pay back, you have 100% control over that. So with that being the case, if you lend me money and I promise you to pay that money back and I don't, and I'm not, I'm not firm and factual on my promises and doing what I told you that I would do, then that is my financial brand. That's the only way that you can measure me when it comes to money. So credit scores are the same. If you go sit in front of a lender and they said, hey, you didn't pay back millennial money. So why do we think you're going to pay us back? That is the only way the measurement can go back and forth to determine how well you'll do with handling credit because it's not based off of your personal reputation, you know, how good you think you look, your race, <laughs> your race, your age. There are none of those factors are, you know, come up. It's really based on how well you have paid other people. So it's 100% your financial brand. I just love that. That's just yeah. so powerful. And there's probably somebody who's listening because I've been there myself. I got divorced in my very early 30s. And unfortunately, in the process, my ex-husband, let's just say my credit score took a nosedive. <laughs> it was out of my control. There was some factors and things that happened and things that my, my account my name was on that I actually didn't know my name was on that account. And I woke up one day and, and suddenly I had a 120 day late on my credit report that I didn't even know I was responsible for paying. And so that's taken quite a few years to remedy off my, my credit report. And as a result, my credit score suffered. And whether you have a situation like that, that maybe you've been through personally, or maybe you just made a, a blip with your credit score and 
what I found, and, and I'd love for you to confirm or deny this, but your credit score seems to drop very rapidly. <laughs> yeah. But coming up can take quite a while and you really have to be persistent with maintaining all of the different five factors that make up your credit score. But for somebody who's sitting there and who's already kind of breaking out in sweat as to what we've already talked about, how can they work this year to improve their credit score? Well, I think that once you have, you know, a a blunder on your credit, it could be very easy to feel defeated, right? It could now, now we, we have a feeling of now it just doesn't matter. So it doesn't matter if I'm paying things on time anymore, because this credit score will take months, sometimes years to get back at a place where I feel like I'm in a good space. So I think one thing to remember is that when you have a blunder uh, similar to that is that you look at it as, okay, one mistake. So the biggest thing that I think we hear all the time, but we don't give enough credit to is simply paying your bills on time. Right. Pay your bill. That's a, that's a big one because when you're balancing a budget and or not, uh, (laughs) not paying your, not paying your bills on time is a large hit to your, to your credit. And once you have a 30 day late, believe it or not, that could drop your one thirty day late could drop your score between seventy five and one hundred points. Wow, one thirty day late. So if you imagine that happening one time, it, it's very easy to get defeated by that once. So I say you always jump back on the wagon, paying your bills on time. That's number one. Number two, I think it's very important to keep your debt low across any type of credit cards that you have. And when I mean low, think about all of your credit cards and. Are you spending uh, less than 30% of your available credit on each one of those? So when you when we measure credit, we're looking at how much we're spending at one time. If I have a credit card where the available balance is only $1,000, I should not be spending more than 30% of that available credit at any given time. So that should be across all of your, your uh, credit cards. And I think that's not so much of the reason of the ingredients that's in a in a FICO score and how you should be measuring credit. I just think that when you use low um, low balances or you only use low available balances, I'm sorry, it's easier for you to pay that debt off. But when you start to have many credit cards that you're almost maxed out, out what is the chance of you being able to pay, the, pay those off within a month's time? So I think that number two would be to keep your balances low across any type of installment loans, credit cards that you have. That's very important. And then the last one, uh, which makes me think about something you just mentioned, is when you're going through a moment, a divorce, you a loss of job or anything that has that's happening in your life. It's really it's a really great idea to get your credit report, pull it, print it out and then highlight things that you feel like you may not own or errors on your credit report so you can resolve, you know, resolve those things really quickly. But I think the largest thing for anyone to rebuild their credit, because I hear this a lot, you know, I got behind on my bills and I just feel like there's no way to do it. Just jump back on the wagon and focus on that one thing of paying your bills on time and reducing your credit limit, your credit balances over different credit cards. Your debt balances, reduce them as aggressively as you possibly can. And once you do that, I think you'll automatically see your credit score begin to jump a little bit higher 
more than you think anything else would, could help you is definitely keep those balances low and pay your bills on time. I like that you call it a blunder too, because that, that makes me feel, you know, uh, rather than mistake, I always tell people, you just had a money mishap. You just had a, yeah. a a blip, something happened. And if you stay focused on that blip, then there are likely more blips that are going to happen versus just saying, okay, this happened. Maybe my credit score isn't exactly where I want it to be. But like you said, if you just start taking some of those little steps before you know it, your credit score will improve and you'll also feel so much better yes, about you yourself. You'll feel so much better. And then you'll get in the habit of wanting to pay your things on time because you'll see that your credit score is increasing over time. So then everything becomes a really good financial habit for you. You'll be able to pay those balances off when you use credit and you won't believe that credit is the enemy because then you'll have a greater understanding of how credit works. So that's why I stress the importance of pay your bills on time and keep your balances low. And then you'll be able to see how you're able to juggle these things much easier over time. That's such good advice. I and mean, that's certainly what I did in that situation mm -hmm. was I had to just keep, keep moving forward. And it did take some time, even following all of the credit steps that I know, but it did eventually remedy itself. And it was a good lesson for myself as a, as a financial professional that you know, no one is immune from these sorts of things happening, whether it was by accident or maybe it was something that happened to you. But as long as you can bring your mindset around it, you can really start to put yourself in a right place. And this goes for anything financial. We're just not talking credit score. It could be anything that you're that you're coming up against. Yeah, it's anything. If you just put like some simple steps in motion, it's just like if you want to save more money. You know, if you if you're not a saver, then you try saving twenty dollars every time you get paid, and then you'll want to do fifty dollars, and then seventy five. So it, you know, I look at every financial situation as a graduation period. We we go to we start school, preschool, some of us kindergarten, and then we go through elementary, then junior high, then high school, and then for some of us college. So you know, anything in finances is the same way. You know, you may not start out with a 700 score. Maybe when you're in junior high, you messed up a bit. When you're in high school, you figured it out. You know, finances are the exact same way. So starting with those very small steps, you'll begin to see what the impact that it'll have eventually when you keep doing those same little steps every single month. And you'll begin to see a difference. I can promise you, you will. And hopefully we don't ever have to go back to high school and junior high school. <laughs> No, please no. Absolutely not. I, I'm glad I only have to do that once in my life. One. We'll get right back into the second half of my interview with Marsha. There's so much more to cover about credit score after I answer a quick ask Shauna. And this one comes from Marlene and Marlene says, hi, Shauna. I'm a big fan of the podcast and I had a question for you. I just got the Discover It card, my first secured credit card, which I plan on using to build my credit score. What would help my credit score more, making purchases and paying them off within the week or waiting until the due date? Thanks so much. Marlene, thanks so much for listening and thanks for your question. This is a great one and certainly a topical one that fits into this episode. But micropayments, that's just the art of breaking up your monthly payment into multiple payments. It can work to boost your credit score, but you need to make sure that your card will accept them. So most major credit cards do accept these micropayments, but not all of them do. So that's stop number one is just to make sure that they accept those. 
But the magic with making more than one payment or breaking your monthly payment into these micropayments is to boost your credit utilization. Remember, that's that magical 30% number. So just take an easy round number. If we have $1,000 of available credit um, or credit max, I should say, on our credit card, we don't want to use more than 30% of that or $300. So by keeping your credit to that magic 30% or less number, you're just inherently boosting your credit score because it is the second most powerful piece of your credit score behind just simply making your payments on time. So While making these multiple payments each month won't affect your credit score in a negative way, you can better your credit utilization ratio. So how this works, let's just say you make your credit card payment on the due date, and let's just say that's the 20th of every month. So the credit card company actually waits until the end of the month to report your activity to the credit bureau. But by that date, you could have more credit card debt, bigger balance, which would then increase your credit utilization. So that's where the micropayments come in. They come in helping you to keep your balance to that magical 30% number or less. So here are three things to keep in mind, specifically with secured credit cards. Number one, use them sparingly. Just make a couple of small purchases every month. You don't have to use your secured credit card a ton in order for it to work its magic and help boost your credit score. The second thing is, of course, just pay your balance in full every month. Uh, This way you won't be charged any interest. And in essence, the 30% utilization rate won't even matter because you'll be keeping your utilization so low. And then also just keep an eye on your credit score over time. Once it has improved with a secured credit card, I would say at least to a 650 plus credit score, then you can ask the credit card company about upgrading you to one of the unsecured credit cards. So you kind of move off of the secured credit card. And again, there's nothing wrong with a secured credit card. It's a great way to boost your credit score if you're starting out or if you've had a credit mishap and your credit score isn't as great as you would like, you can actually use a secured credit card much like Marlene is doing to help pull your credit score up. And then once it's up, you can then move off that secured credit card. So it's a great tool to keep in mind. But Micropayments are great if if it works with your budget and you can keep track of all of it. It's a great way, again, to keep your utilization below 30%. But if you struggle with just making that payment or remembering to make that payment, look, just make that payment on time, set it on auto debit, and don't even think about it. But if you can, again, it's a great way to boost your utilization. And this works for all credit cards. It doesn't have to just be for secured credit cards. So hopefully that gave you some little tips or some things to think about. Again, great question. Thank you so much, Marlene. And if you have an Ask Shauna question, you can head on over to the link in the show notes. Send me your question. I'd be more than happy to answer it on a podcast. And you can let me know if you want to remain anonymous Hey, that's cool with me. Totally happy to answer your question as anonymous. I'm sorry, but I have the best dog ever. Her name is Winnie Stardust. She is a mini golden mountain doodle full of life, and I would do just about anything to keep her happy, healthy, and safe. Today's episode is sponsored by the ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program. 
Your pet is part of your family and you want to do the best for them. But vet bills can really add up. We jokingly keep telling Winnie she needs to get a job to pay for her vet bill. That's why you should check out pet insurance. And with ASPCA Pet Health Insurance, you can focus on the care your pet deserves and cover what matters most. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program offers customized accident and illness plans, making it easier for pet parents like you to help your pet get the care they need. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program has been around for over 18 years, and they've helped more than 600,000 pets during that time. They allow you to customize your plan, helping to ensure that your pet's plan is as unique as they are. Because vet bills can really add up, especially when you are least expecting it. It's simple. Use their app to submit a claim and you'll receive reimbursement for eligible vet bills directly into your bank account. To explore coverage, visit ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash ETM. That's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash ETM. Again, that's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash ETM. This is a paid advertisement. Insurance is underwritten by either Independent American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by PTZ Insurance Agency Limited. The ASPCA is not an insurer, is not engaged in the business of insurance. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals. So you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks, and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash ETM. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash ETM for your extended 30-day free trial. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied, or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. 
Delete.me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web, and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete.me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. (laughs) I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete.me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete.me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete.me is not just a one-time service. Delete.me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash E-T-M. Go to joindeleteme.com slash E-T-M and use code E-T-M for 20% off. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited and it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. I wanted to ask you, there are so many different types of credit scoring models. There's FICO, the newer Vantage score, a bunch of others out there. And I get asked a lot of times, which one matters? Should you even be paying attention to all of these different scoring mechanisms or models? Oh, yeah, it definitely matters. I I, I say FICO because FICO is a score that's used by over 90% of lenders. So that means that only 10% of lenders don't use FICO score you know, for their measurement. So I think the one that you should definitely keep your eye on would be your FICO score. You know, that's if you care about, you know, credit or you care about getting more credit. That's the one that over, you know, 90% of lenders use. So that's the one that I would say, keep definitely keep your eye on. That's good to know. Okay. Mm -hmm. And 
I, I wanted to throw this out to you. I don't know if you if you have anything that comes to mind, but I love asking this question. What is maybe the strangest question you've ever gotten about credit score? Is there anything that has just sort of baffled you? Um, I don't think there's something that ha- has really baffled me, but I, I will say over the last couple of years, I think there's a ton of confusion behind uh, receiving educational scores and a FICO mm. score. And for many individuals, the confusion is, is if I have an educational score, so for those that may be listening, that's not familiar with an educational score, an educational score may be um, a score where you signed up with uh, someone online and you there, there's a give to get. So you provided them with your email address. They've provided you with some type of educational score. Well, an educational score is not a score that's used by lenders. But what's happening and I've seen happen many times is that someone may try to go get a loan or a car or a mortgage. And their assumption is that what they've received as an educational score is the actual score that a lender is using. So, you know, I've heard that, I, you know, I wasn't able to get the mortgage because I thought that my score was X when it's not. You know, as I just said, lenders use most lenders use a FICO score. So I don't it's, it's not really um, a strange question. Um, but it is, I think, a myth that we need to debunk that an educational score is not the score that's used by lenders. Educational scores will do just that for you. You may receive a credit report and you may see like a lot of your different um, accounts that reflect on there. And it may give you a lot of information about different credit cards that you could possibly get based on your credit score. But it's not the score that if you were going to a bank or going to try to get a mortgage, a personal loan or a car it is not the same score. So that's one big thing that I want us to remember is that just because you have that educational score, it is not the same score that's used widely across many different lenders. That's really interesting. I love hearing that. And I think that brings a lot of light because there are a lot of different sites you can go on where you can find matches to different products or things like that. But that doesn't necessarily mean also that you'll be able to get that product. And so really understanding your score. And also, I say this a lot. I, I don't know what you think, what your thoughts on this, but your, your score now is so easily accessible. There are apps, there are different sites you can go to. It's free. You should not have to pay for your credit score. But you also need to understand what's behind the score. So you actually need the report as well, right? To get the, the details. Yeah. Yeah. You, you want to, even though, you know, because a lot of us, we just want our score because the score is the exciting part, especially when you <laughs> have a decent score. But it's very important, which is why earlier I mentioned, you know, don't just download your report, print that thing out, like print it out, highlight call to check your balances, like how are your balances being updated? Is there information on there that you don't own? Are the addresses they may have over the last 10 years? Or is that really your address? Just to make sure there is no type of fraud or anything. So, you know, beyond just having that score, really get engaged with what's on your report from top to bottom, because you'll be amazed that something could pop up on your score that does not belong to you. It could be a 30 day late and then you you will, you know, have forever of what it seems like to get that removed from from your score. And you just don't want to find yourself in that position, especially if you're in the process with getting something like a mortgage loan or a car loan, something that you really may need at that moment. So I definitely believe in not only, you know, getting your score each year, take that a step forward and at least print it out and then highlight different areas just to make sure that everything belongs to you. And I was sure that you have so many stories. I could fill entire hour 
if not more, of crazy stories I've seen over the past 12 years of people who have had houses taken out in their names, cars taken out in their names, credit cards, you name it. And they didn't know it because it actually was showing up as a a positive on their credit report until they went out to try to buy something and freaked out seeing that somebody else, maybe even for a year plus, had bought something with their credit score that wasn't theirs. And then there's that whole process of undoing. So what happens if you're in that situation and something shows up on your report and it's not yours? How do you go about undoing that? Well, you can, number one, you can contact uh, that specific lender or whatever company it is just to, you know, tell them that, hey, this is, you know, you have this in my name, but I don't own it. And then they'll give you, they'll typically tell you what process they take, you know, because it is considered as fraud, you know, of what process they take, because sometimes it's the lender and they have to go through their process. Hey, someone opened up, you know, an account in in Marsha Barnes's name. I have her on the phone. She's saying that it doesn't belong to her. So they'll tell you what you need to do, because sometimes we believe that we just have to contact the credit bureau and then go through their process, which is true. You also need to take that step to do it as well. But I think the first step that you should do is contact that lender to say, hey, who is this? I know this is on my credit report. You are listed as the creditor. I did not come in to get this from you, nor did I sign up with it online. And they will tell you how to get that process started. But then I think that next step would be to also contact uh, the credit bureau to possibly put a freeze on that account and also to make them aware of what's going on. And you can find whatever you can find all the credit bureaus, all their information can be found on their website to get in contact with them directly. And this is what I love about you, Marsha. You are also one of the fierce leaders, especially the fierce female leaders when it comes to financial literacy. And again, every time we talk, I love sharing our stories and, and money stories and tips. I'd love to know what led you to be such an advocate for financial literacy. Is there something in your own money story where you felt compelled to go out there and help others? Yeah, well, I have a few. Uh, you know, number one for me, you, I've been married almost 20 years. Well, 20 years I've already been, already been married. 21. Congratulations. Be, thank you. Next year will be 21. And I know, you know, starting out with my husband and I, we married um, very young. I married my high school sweetheart. So there were just so many unknowns for us. There was just no, I can't, re, I can't remember uh, what was available to us to teach us about finances uh, when we were really young. So for Probably me- Probably not much. It wasn't much. And I don't, I don't remember it. But I, what I will tell you is that there, were, there was a big tick in the thing to do at our age when I was, you know, back in my 20s was you need to get a home, right? You get this job, you get this good job, you get this nice home. It was, it was kind of like that was the thing to do, but there yes. was no education around it. But then on top of that, my mom, my dad, they had been working, you know, all of their lives. They've been at their jobs for a very long time. They both were laid off from their jobs. And I I was able to witness them navigate financially where even when that happened, it was not an emergency for them. It was an inconvenience because they have always handled their money well. They didn't make a lot of money. I can't name, I, I think that even in my early years working, I've always earned more than my parents, but they were able to navigate money very well. So that's when I was taught, it's not really about how much money you earn. It's always about how you handle it. So that was big for me. And when I saw that happen to them, my best friend was also, you know, who was close in age to me, 
she was laid off from the job that she had been at, you know, since college, a really nice career. She was laid off from her job. So uh, all of those things and then working in the finance industry and listening to uh, customers talk about homes that were going into foreclosure and layoffs and all of these things, I, I just felt a need that there there's something missing from the equation that when things happen with us, everything is an emergency. Everything is a panic. And that's what I want us to even now in 2018, heading into the new year, that's what I want us to get away from is more uh, preparation opposed to waiting for things to happen and then becoming reactive to them. I know the power in being prepared. So that's really something that for me, teaching financial literacy and being an advocate around this work, because I understand it changes lives. It literally changes lives. Being prepared and not being prepared is a difference between your life shifting and for some people being one paycheck away from on the streets and other people, their life shifting with a layoff and then them being able to navigate as if nothing really happened. So I want to render render a level of providing individuals with a level of financial confidence where they are able to believe in themselves that if something were to happen, it's just an inconvenience to them. But it's not an emergency. And I know it's going to take years for us to get to that place because there's so much work to still be done. But I'm I'm just so passionate about it. I wake up every morning, you know, thinking about it. And as you and I stated before we jumped on the call is, you know, it's work, but it's really not work because I really feel like I'm making a difference. That is so explosive, what you just said, the power of being prepared. And I could share so many stories just like you just shared of mm -hmm. it It doesn't – money doesn't discriminate. Whether you make $30 million or $30,000, you could be more prepared on a $30,000 salary to achieve your goals for the future than someone who's making millions of dollars yeah. and is not handling their money properly. And I think if we just took some time and really let that sink, because I know even in my early 20s, it was like, okay, well, now I just need to make more money and more money yeah. and more money and more money. Yeah. And before you know, you're so stressed out because you're constantly thinking you have to make more money when if you just focused on the money you had, you could powerfully ship that just like you're saying. And it would blow your mind of what you could actually achieve. And I really hope that that if you're listening to this episode, that you could sit in that and, and let that sort of simmer in you because I know that to be true. You know that to be true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so many other people now. And so I just think that is just so powerful. Well, I think it, and it gives you power because for, as you just mentioned, for many of us, all we think about is the hustle and how to make more money. We think about the millionaire stories. We think about, you know, as, you know, nine to fivers or entrepreneurs, how to make, you know, six figures in a month you know, a yes. million dollars in a year. And we, we hear those types of stories. So then, you know, that's another thing for many people that could make them feel defeated when in all seriousness, it's really not about that because, you know, for me personally, and this is something I share all the time, my, my future doesn't look like me just waking up hustling every day. You know, my future yes. looks like, like when I head on into my retirement years, I, my dream job is to be a librarian and librarians don't get paid much money. So at this stage in my life, it's very important for me to make sure that I have some things in order, which is things like low debt, things like savings, things like making sure my credit is in order in case I do need something down the road or whatever that looks like. You know, I want us to just be more focused on caring for what you have right now, because the truth is many of us may never be millionaires. 
Many of us are okay with working a nine to five job and whatever salary we earn, we're just fine with that. And I want people to embrace that in their lives of not always thinking about having more money or earning more money because earning more money does not fix a problem if you're not handling what you already have well. But we handle what we already have well, then as you mentioned, you have no idea of what level of power that gives you until you really give it a try. Yeah. Because we really believe that earning more money is the answer, and that's not always the case. Yes, I love it. We need to stamp that on t-shirts and bags and everywhere. <laughs> yes. So is is that what led you to the finance bar? How did that evolve out of this desire to learn and teach more about financial literacy? Well, when I was able to launch the finance bar, I felt like personally I had achieved a financial goal myself. So that goal was if I was able to walk away from my nine to five job, right, be Mm -hmm. able to earn enough money that would sustain my bills and the things that I wanted to do in life and be able to operate this business. That for me was a, a level of financial success, meaning that there was a lot of preparation that had to go into place for me to get their payoff specific debts that I wanted to get rid of that I didn't want hanging over my head. So it did. That was part of my journey and why I love the finance bar and how it has evolved over time. Because I think what it has helped me to realize is that we can have a conversation with someone, you know, one time and we think that we've really helped them. And maybe, maybe we have. But for the finance bar, am I, the way that I've evolved over time is that the first part of the finance bar was purchasing a school bus, having the bus outfitted, and then going to teach people on the bus, whether that was on a college campus or you know at an organization or a corporation, whatever that looked like. And then I began to see how people needed to have more intimate meetings with me about their personal finances. So over time, it's shifted from this just being something that I want to go meet with people, teach them on the bus and then leave them where they were and then move on to the next group of people. But it made me really uh, hone in on my skill to say the majority of people need help over time. You know, finances is just like, you know, going to a gym and working out and all that good stuff. And it takes a while for you to be able to exercise your financial muscles. So over time, the finance bar has shifted from just being the mobile hub to having an online membership and now having uh, a coaching suite that has now turned into a membership because everything I do now is me understanding that when I'm creating products, it needs to be something that's really helping people for the long haul and not just in a moment. Because for me, being able to create the finance bar, launch the finance bar, stick with it, you know, earn enough money to keep it. That took years of preparation and doing it. Even now I still do it. So I understand that the, the power comes in providing something to people where I'm constantly there for them when they have a need until they're able to feel their shift come. And then that light bulb goes off and you're like, ah, I get it. And then you move on with them. So I feel like over time, the finance bar has essentially evolved because I've had those conversations with people and truly gained an understanding of what they needed. And for me personally, it has never been from someone that says, hey, I just need to talk to you one time because that just it doesn't work for a lot of people. You know, unless you you're just that good and you're able to be that disciplined. It just didn't work for people. So that has helped me understand, gain a better understanding of what products I need to offer 
uh, my clients over a period of time. And most of us just by human nature, <laughs> we're very disciplined sometimes and not very yes. disciplined other times. And that's just that's kind right. of nature. And it's always shifting and changing. And what we might need today might not be what we need in six months or uh-huh. life might move us sideways or backwards or forwards. And it's, I think that's the the fun part is that we're always in this constant state of evolving one way or another. So I love that you don't just leave someone in a moment that you're really there for those different parts of the journey, because that's really where I believe people need this, this type of help. And it's why you're successful. I think it's why people listen to my podcast and why they're searching for other answers, because their their lives are shifting constantly and it yes. you know they it's almost like you can't gobble up enough information no you can't gobble up enough information but i think the more information that you attempt to gobble up like listening to your podcast listening to millennial money i think when you do that consistently and you do that over time whether it's a podcast a day whether it's you do this once a week and you just listen to it while you're washing dishes or whatever you may be doing i guarantee you the more that you do it the more you'll want to do right by your money and I, that's something that I even did. You know, I, you know, I have peers across this industry. I listen to Millennial Money. I listen to other podcasts. I read the books. I probably have bought every one of my peers' books because even for me, that's how much when I when I read something, when I listen to it, it just gets me more excited about not only what I can do for myself, what I can create for my family, and the way that I'm able to serve others. I just think that it's just so helpful. You know, it's just like going to go get a gossip magazine or gossip newspaper, if you if that's what you do, you'll want to just get more engaged with it because the gossip excites you. Well, finances, personal finance is the same thing. The more you learn, the more you'll want to learn. So I encourage everyone to just keep doing more of that. Yes. Yeah. So we've talked about so many different things. This podcast has been full of great, great gems. But if you could leave us with one or two action items in regards to our credit score, this year, in the new year, what would it be? What should we be focused on? Um, I think what you should be focused on, um, as I said before, the new year is out, is please take an opportunity to pull your credit report um, and print it out with a highlighter and go through it just to make sure that you own everything. Um, I think something else that's very important, as I said, is just to make sure that you're focused on trying your best to pay things on time. I just posted not on Instagram not too long ago. If you find yourself not being able to balance due dates and you're somehow not able to pay things on time, reach out to whoever it is that you owe money to. Who doesn't matter, light bill company, water, whatever you pay, reach out to them and say, hey, is it a possibility to have my due date switched to X date or around this time of the month because it coincides with your, your uh, paydays better? So I think that's something else. If we can just, you know, get away from thinking what we have to accept and try to push forward to getting lenders to work in our favor, do that as well. So number one, pull that credit report, start getting your highlighter out. Number two, if you if you're not paying things on time and you find yourself running behind, try to pay things on time. And number three, definitely reach out to your creditors to see about adjusting due dates that are more in alignment with when you get paid. And then I also think that makes budgeting easier as well. So try to do those three things and I guarantee you, you'll begin to see a shift in your credit score. So powerful. Well, Marsha, as always, it has been so amazing to have you on this episode. I'd love if you could tell the listeners where they could find you and where they could find out more about the finance bar. 
Well, you can find me online. The website is thefinancebar.com and then all over social media, Facebook, Twitter, um, and Instagram. I am at thefinancebar as well. Hey, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Remember to subscribe to the podcast. It's absolutely free and you'll make sure you never miss an episode of Millennial Money. You can also listen to all our episodes on Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, and Pandora. Pandora.